0: Grace and peace, it's good to be here with you once again. Um, The other day, we were in the kitchen, Beth and I, and our two younger daughters, and we were talking about God and how great God is. You know, there was something that had happened that reminded us of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. By the way, it's very important as you uh, interact with your children at home that you take the opportunities, seize the opportunities to talk about faith. To your children. So we were having that conversation, and uh, Francesca, our five year old, said, Oh, I love God so much. I love him. I would love to give him a big hug. You know, she's like, her uh, you know, love language is a physical touch. So she's like, I-, I would love to give him a big hug. And our eight year old, Camila, said, Francesca, you can do that. She's like, I can? Yes. She said, When you hug people, you're hugging God. I was like, what is going on? What theological books is this child reading? When you're hugging people, you are hugging God. Now, I then later learned that she learned that concept uh, with Sally, our kids' uh, minister here at Crossbridge, who was just up here on stage just a little while ago, which tells you the importance of having your child go to kids' church. Okay, that's very important. But I was thinking about that the next day, the whole time. You know, hugging people is like hugging God. And I was also thinking about the other side of that truth, which is the way in which God hugs us is through people. The way in which the Spirit is at work in our lives, the way in which we are used by the Spirit of God to work is by interacting with people. And this is a profound concept that you and I are God's kindness. We manifest God's kindness to others. We are the hands of God. We are the mouth of God. God works directly and primarily through people. That's what we're going to be talking about today, this morning, in this activated series, is the activity of the spirit through the spiritual gifts that he has given us. See, God works in our lives through each other. God works in other people's lives through your life. That's the primary work. And he has given you special gifts to do the work that he has purposed you for. So we're going to learn about that by going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. This is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth informing them Of this reality. This is what he writes and this is what he says. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them, all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit and to other faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles and to another prophecy and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits and to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And so today we're going to talk about uh, the gifts that the Spirit has given us to do His work. And in light of that, we're going to um, ask three questions. Number one, what are spiritual gifts? Okay, we're talking about spiritual gifts. He has given us gifts. What, What are these gifts? We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about which gifts have been given to us. We're going to break down the gifts into three main groups. And then lastly, how to, how to discover your gift, and then lastly, how to deploy your gift. Now, I I, want to make a disclaimer here that uh, this sermon is going to be very informational. You know, there are some sermons that I write that are very experiential. This one is informational. It's important that we are not ignorant about these issues. That's why Paul writes to the church in Corinth to begin with in verse 1, now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want us to be informed about how God works in our lives so that we uh, would find our purpose and we would be encouraged in that which God wants to do through us. Okay, so What are the gifts? Which are the gifts? And lastly, how to discover and how to deploy them. First, what are spiritual gifts? Uh, First of all, they are spiritual. They are not born abilities and they are not acquired abilities either. These are not things that come naturally to you. These are not things that you have acquired along the way. Some of us have been born with certain abilities. Some of us have acquired abilities along the way. We have gone through courses and seminars and breakout sessions, and we have had experiences in life where we've learned a particular craft, where we learn how to do certain things. And it's great that we have those abilities and that God uses those abilities, but those are not to be mistaken with the spiritual gifts. This is spiritual. Let's underline that, spiritual. Let me explain what this means. When someone comes to faith in Jesus, when you become a Christian, the Bible is very clear that the Spirit of God now begins to reside in you. The Spirit of God inhabits you. And the Spirit of God begins to equip you for a specific work, which is the work of Christ. Now, in that, the Spirit gives you special gifts. These are not gifts that you have developed. These are not gifts that you have acquired along the way. These are gifts that have been given by the Spirit of God into your life. And you are wired by the Spirit of God as a new person creation in Christ very uniquely. So one of the ways to find out whether certain abilities are gifts of the Spirit or whether they are acquired and natural abilities are, is this, is to ask the question, were these abilities here once I became a Christian? Or they are new abilities that have shown up in my life for the service of the ministry after I have become a Christian? There's a man that um, was very close to our family back in Brazil. Uh, He was a blue-collar worker. He worked in the church's farm. He worked in construction, had very little education. And when he became a Christian, even though he always worked for somebody, he never started anything in life, the Spirit of God used this man in a powerful way to start churches and to equip leaders, gave him the gift of apostleship, once he became a follower of Jesus, once the Spirit came into his life, the Spirit equipped him for a specific task that was something that he did not know of, did not know about until he became a Christian. I was raised in the church, but I had my experience with Jesus in my last year of high school, my senior year of high school. And one of the ways that God ministered to my life was obviously through the ministry of a youth pastor. I shared this with you in the past. But there were some opportunities that were presented to me that I didn't necessarily want to engage in. But once I did, uh, God started to work in my life. I was going through my senior year of high school and uh, I had a lot of hurt from the church. Uh, I was living in rebellion towards the gospel. I didn't want to have anything to do uh, with the church. I still attended church because my parents, my dad is a pastor, you know, that made me go to church. But I had a huge resistance towards the gospel. And in that senior year of high school, they started a Bible study fellowship in the school. It's not BSF here, but it's connected to another organization. And um, what they did was they identified the Christian teachers and the Christian students and formed a little core group. And uh, w- we met and they said, hey, I think it'd be good for you guys to start meeting once a month. And everybody said, yeah, that's fine. I originally did not want to meet, but my dad said, I think you should support that group. I mean, just show up. And I said, okay, fine. So said, otherwise you don't have gas money for the weekend. <laughs> and uh, it's like, I wanted gas money. So I'm going to be a part of, of this group. And in one of the first planning meetings, they were saying, hey, this is something that we have to do together. Everybody has to share the load a little bit. And therefore, we need to decide about next month who's going to bring the Bible study. And they all looked around and said, I don't want to do that. And they said, oh, your dad is a pastor and you're familiar with the church. Why don't you bring the study next month? And You know, immediately I was like, oh, I don't don't want to do this at all. But then I thought, maybe if I do the first one, I don't have to do anything else after that. Um, I'll clear myself of that responsibility. So I said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll I'll do it. And I went home and I asked my dad to uh, uh, share with me some tools. And he shared with me some tools and I presented the Bible study. Now, I had some friends, some bad influences in my life in that senior year of high school that they found out about it. And they said, oh, man, we're going to show up to the thing and we're going to start making fun of you. We're going to ask you like, some ridiculous questions, and we're going to embarrass you, just letting you know that we're going to show up, and we're not going to let you do this. And I was like, oh, my goodness. The day finally came, and they were looking at me. It's like, okay, all right, time for a Bible study. And they went into the room. Some of them stayed outside. It was a little room with a window that you can look in, and they stayed on the outside. And um, you know, I began to do the Bible study, and to my surprise, they didn't interfere they were not making fun. They were not making faces. And at the end, one of them came and said, hey, what you shared there was very powerful. I've been thinking about this. And uh, can, can I go to your church on Sunday? And I said, uh, sure. I mean, it's not necessarily the coolest church, but, <laughs> but you can come with me. And it, from that moment that God started to confirm in me, look, This is a gift that I'm giving you. I I did not have a gift of public speaking. I was never an orator of my classes, never. But God started to use that opportunity to show me, hey, I have wired you in a specific way, and I have given you certain gifts. And through time, he has placed people in my life and put me under um, some educational courses and given me more opportunities so that that gift could be developed. But these gifts were not there until I fully understood the gospel until I was made myself available for the Spirit to work in my life. So, number one, these gifts are spiritual. Number two, these gifts are for all believers. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have at least one gift. Look at what he says here in verse 11, which was one of the last verses that we read. He says, All these. All these gifts, after he gives us a list, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And that's such an encouraging word when I read this because it tells every single one of us that if we are found in Christ, we have not been forgotten. That God did not leave us aside. That he did not push us to the curb. That he did not put us in the bench. Right? We were called to play. And not only that, but it tells us, it tells me, and it tells you that we have great potential for impact in people's lives. We have great impact. And it reminds me of that verse in Ephesians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul talks to the Christians and the church in Ephesus, encouraging them to be involved in the work that God was doing in the life of the church. And, and, and not just to leave the whole load of the work to the pastors and the elders and the deacons, but to engage themselves in the work that God was doing there. He, he writes this to them. He said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this word here, workmanship, if you want to outline this word, this is the translation from the Greek word poema, where we get the word poem from. In other words, you are God's work of art. He has wired you uniquely, like a thumbprint. You know, the mix of gifts and the passions that he has given you and the stories that he is uh, writing in and through our lives are very unique. We're very, very unique. And therefore, we are his artwork that he wants to put in display. Like when a beautiful artwork is, is, is completed, a painting, a sculpture, a song, you want other people to look at it. You want other people to listen to it so that they may be impacted by it. You want to put it in display. And that's what God wants to do in each of our lives. We were wired uniquely by Him. We were given by His Spirit specific gifts for us to display His beauty into the world. You are uniquely wired by God, which means this, that there are hands that only you can hold. There are tears that only you can... Dry, there are lives that only you can impact, only you, because of what God has placed in you, and therefore, you are a minister, such as I am a minister of the gospel into the church and the world, all right? So, number one, what are the gifts? They're spiritual. They're given to all believers, but then, lastly, they are given to build the church. In other words, they are not given for you to build yourself, but these gifts are given by the Spirit of God so that the church is built. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Many of us have used the gifts that the Spirit has given us for our own sakes, to gain influence and power and control over others. And the reason why God has given you special gifts is not that you would use it for your own benefits, but that you would use it for the sake of the whole, that you would use these gifts to build the church, that you would use these gifts so that others would encounter Jesus Christ, so that they will be hugged by God, going back to our initial illustration, so that you will hug them and they would feel the touch of God in their lives. That's why. It's very frustrating to God that sometimes He gives us gifts for a certain purpose to bless others, and He sees it being misused. It's like sometimes it happens the day of Christmas, right? You give your children gifts; they open the gifts. It's coming up, you know. My kids are already submitting lists, um, and and so you give them these gifts. And as they're, as they're unwrapping the gifts on Christmas morning, they're looking, "Look at what I got. <laughs> that's not what you got, Ah oh. And they're creating jealousy, using it against others. God abhors when we take that which He has deposited in us and we use it for our own sakes. He wants you to build the church. Are you using, by the way, first of all, do you know the gifts that he has given you? And are you using the gifts that he has given you to build the church? Or you're only thinking about enhancing your own life yourself. The gifts are spiritual, given to all believers, and they were given to build the church. Which gifts? That leads us to the second question. And before I talk about uh, These gifts specifically here and these three clusters of gifts, I want to give you a a few disclaimers here, particularly three disclaimers. The first disclaimer is this, is that in in the New Testament, we have four lists of gifts. There's two in Corinthians, there's one in Ephesians, and then there's another one in Romans. And certain gifts that appear in the list in Corinthians do not necessarily appear in the list in Ephesus and vice versa. And so you, you kind of have to pull them all together from the lists that you have in the New Testament. But even when you do that, these gifts are not, this is not an exhaustive list of all the gifts that there are. Okay, I believe that there are certain gifts that are not necessarily listed in the New Testament because this is not an exhaustive list. None of these lists are exhaustive lists. The fact that we have four lists proves that none of these lists are exhaustive lists of gifts. That's the first disclaimer. Uh, the, the, second, the second disclaimer I want to give you, and I'm speaking here on behalf of the elders of Crossbridge Church, okay? And we are in full agreement when it comes to this, the pastors and the elders. We believe, let me tell you this, this is, I want to be clear with this, we believe that all of the gifts that are listed here in the New Testament are still active and in use today. Because there are certain people that believe that, certain Christians that believe that there are certain gifts that are not active today, that they're not in use today. We believe that all of these gifts are still active today, that the Spirit of God still distributes these gifts to his body today to do his work. All of these gifts, they are not inactive. Now, there are times in history where certain gifts are, are highlighted more than others because of need, historical need, moments, context, but we believe that all these gifts are in use. Third disclaimer, just because you may have been part of a Christian church or a Christian group, Christian tradition, and there are people here in our churches that have experienced what I'm going to talk about. You've been in these places and you've experienced spiritual abuse because these gifts were misused, particularly because people use these gifts for their own purpose and their own edification, which is not the reason why the Spirit has apportioned gifts to us. Just because these gifts were misused and they were abused, it does not remove the use of the gifts. In fact, it's very easy for us to say, hey, uh, I, I was... Really mishandled spiritually because of somebody that had this prophetic gift. And I understand that. But others may have been mishandled by the gifts of teaching. You sat under bad teaching. Has messed you up, and maybe in my early days of ministry, you know I've been a pastor now for 25 years. Maybe in my early days I messed a lot of people up because I had bad theology. And to this day, when I go back to that first church that I planned, I, I ask them for forgiveness. Hey, I preach your gospel of moralism. This was not the healthy gospel. Okay, so that's the third disclaimer. Just because there's misuse, it does not remove the use of the gifts. We must find the healthy and honorable ways of how to. Not only discover these gifts, but to deploy these gifts. Okay, now, having said that, what we learn is this here in the New Testament. That there are three clusters of gifts. And before I talk about these three clusters of gifts, let me tell you this. These three clusters exemplify and reflect the character of Christ. Jesus was the only one that had all the gifts. He was the only human that had all the gifts. None of us have all the gifts. Now, now, obviously, as you grow in maturity, as you grow in the likeness, in the image of Christ, you begin to find out gifts that you didn't know before because that's what it means to become more mature in the faith. But Jesus was the only one that had all the gifts. These three clusters of gifts are a perfect reflection of the character of Christ. What are the three clusters? Um, the love gifts. Jesus is love. God is love. The word gifts, Jesus is the word of God. He is the word made flesh. John 1, 1, Jesus is the word of God. And the power gifts, Jesus is the power of God. He is the good news of God, which Paul says, it's the power of God. So Jesus is the is love, Jesus is the word, and Jesus is the power of God. And those form the three clusters of gifts. Okay, so the first cluster, let, let me just go briefly through these Clusters And by the way, in the following sermons, I'm not going to do this today, but in the following sermons, I'm going to break down each of these clusters. So I'm just going to give you an overview this morning. In the following weeks, we're going to break down each of these, okay? So the love gifts, what are the love gifts? Gifts of help, gifts of mercy, the gift of generosity, the gift of pastoring and shepherding people, the gift of administration, of organizing uh, people That's a love gift. They don't like chaos, I guess. And and, and therefore, out of love, there is organization. Uh, Kindness, the gift of kindness, the gift of empathy. Those are the love gifts. The word gifts. What are the word gifts? Teaching and preaching, word gifts. Evangelism, sharing your faith with others, word gifts. Wisdom, words of wisdom, word gifts. Encouragement, word gifts. Now the third cluster, the power gifts. Healing, tongues, discernment, prophecy, vision, apostleship, faith. These are the power gifts. Through the love gifts, you've, you sense God embracing you. God caring for your every need, your physical needs, your emotional needs, your spiritual needs. Through the word gifts, you feel God, you sense God speaking to you, you you sense God equipping you. Through the power gifts, there is a sense of an experience of God, of a deep experience of God. And if we were to cluster people with each of these gifts by the clusters that they are in, so let's say we get all the The people with love gifts, and we put them together here in this room, it would be a gathering where you would go, and we had an amazing hospitality, and and, and Pastor Marcus would give you a big hug. And he'll make you feel like the most important person in the world. And, and there will be a, a beautiful spread uh, in, in front of you. And, you know, even though the host said, you know, just come from 8 to 10. People will be there until midnight and no one would want to leave. That's what it would feel like, okay? And, and now you begin to, to notice, oh, I, I know people like that. Oh, maybe that's me. You know, I love these spaces. I like to make uh, my home available for Pastor David to start a community group, all right? <laughs> I'll talk to Pastor David if that's you. Um, but but that, 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 that's what it would feel like. Now, now, let's say you take all the people with word gifts and you pull them together. There's going to be discussions, arguing over theology, doctrine, and books will be pulled out. And, and, and they would quote theologians that are already dead and, and, and the new books that are coming out. And then, you know, you would have somebody that's wise there trying to kind of like, you know, break the possibility for conflict, right? Giving words of wisdom. That's what it would feel like. And, and they wouldn't want to leave either because they're engaged this way. And maybe that's you. And you're like, oh, I, I love that. You know, I, I would love to have a space or a church where I, we can talk about theology all the time. That, that, that's maybe you. And what if we pulled in together, the people with the power gifts. Instead of being around a table, there would be a group around a worship band and, and, and worship would last like five hours. They would be with their hands lifted up and it would be loud and there would be a lot of prayer, right? Now, now maybe that's you, but, but think about this. Not every church is strong at all of them. Now, our goal is To have balance, but not every church is strong at it. And if you are part of one of these three clusters, if you're part of the love gifts cluster, you're always saying our church is not hospitable enough. Come on, man, people don't feel welcome here. Even though the church is hospitable, you're like, it's not enough. If, if, if you find yourself within the word gifts, you're saying, there's not enough teaching. It's not deep enough. We're not just going, we're not going deep. You know, we need like exegetical verse-by-verse exposition of the Bible, right? <laughs> I guess somebody here is part of that cluster. <laughs> and, and let's spend like two hours doing that. And everybody else, like, please don't invite me to your church if that's the case. <laughs> and you know and, and then those who are within the cluster of the gifts of power they're saying your church just doesn't pray enough they, they they're discontented we don't, we don't pray enough we don't see god working miracles enough and when i look in worship i get discouraged cuz not enough people are raising their hands people are not passionate in worship you see what i'm saying and, and, and if that's you, like maybe I read your mind, maybe I read your heart, but that's, that's a common narrative in, in all these ways. And I want to show you that it is for that reason that God has placed you here. Because we need you. We need all of you. We need a balance in the gifts of the Spirit. It's kind of like a, a three-legged stool. Think about a three-legged stool You cannot sit well in a two-legged stool. You need the three legs for the stool to actually work. And to the degree that our church finds balance in these three areas, to the degree we exemplify Christ and we grow our influence and our impact in the city and in the world. So do not forfeit the gifts that he has given you. Now, you're asking yourself, we're moving on to... The last question, how do I discover my gifts and how do I deploy these gifts? You're clueless about it. and In fact, that's why Paul writes, so that we are not ignorant. And you had to keep coming back in the following weeks because we're going to talk more and more about this because our goal is that every single one of you would live an activated life, that you will not be a deactivated Christian or an inactive Christian, that you will step out of this posture of consumerism. You come to receive, you come to receive the word, you come to receive the sacraments, but then you leave and you never provide. We want each and every one of you to move from that posture of always receiving that posture of consumerism, which is characteristic of our Western American culture, so that we become providers to others as well. We need you to move from one space to another. Some of you are moving from one space to another. Some of you have moved from one space to another, but the goal is that we all move from one space to another. So how do I discover and how do I deploy? How do I discover? And the the way in which I, I go about this is, you know. I've spoken in the past of how do I sense, how do I discover, how do I find God's will for my life? That's probably the most common question that I, as a pastor, receive from people is how do I figure out God's will for my life, the decisions I need to make, the places I need to go, the person I need to marry? How do I discern God's will for my life? And I usually put them through four stages of questions, okay? The the first one, and it's about focusing. It's about focusing in specific things. The first one is I, I want you, I want you to start looking to God. And 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 here is what I mean by that. I want you to spend time in prayer. I want you to look at God's word. I want you to start looking to God. And if if the word of God says you shouldn't do this, God is not calling you to do that. You see what I'm saying? It's never gonna be in contradiction to the Word of God. It's always going to be in alignment to the Word of God. And when you have a life of prayer, we talked about this last week. If you missed the prayer sermon, I encourage you to hear the prayer sermon, listen to the prayer sermon online. But that's what we talked about last week. When I open myself up to prayer, now God is directly speaking to me. As he speaks with the Word, he speaks to us as we open ourselves to prayer. There is alignment, there's confirmation from him. So first, look to God. Secondly, look to your heart, meaning God has given you certain passions for certain things. He, makes, he has made your heart break after you became a Christian, maybe towards the needs of the poor, maybe towards the lack of, of prayer in your church, maybe to the lack of hospitality. Your heart breaks. So look at your heart. What is God telling me? What is God um, allowing me to sense? In my heart right now, which are passions and experiences that he has given me. What is he saying to me? So look at your heart. Your heart also, your conscience and your heart validate God's will as well. But it cannot come before the word of God. It cannot come before prayer. But after doing that, look at your heart. So look at God, then look at your heart. Thirdly, look to your mi gente, okay? Look to your people, look to your community, look to your church, Are those gifts that you sense God calling you to uh, deploy, are they confirmed by your people as well? Because if you think or sense that you have the gift of teaching, but if people don't have the gift of listening to you, then it doesn't line up. It doesn't add up. And there's a lot of people like that, that they believe that they have And sometimes even professional ministers. I don't believe that every professional minister has the gift of teaching and preaching. They don't have to. Even here at Crossbridge, we have some of our ministers that do not have the gift of preaching and teaching. It's okay. They're very effective in other ways, in ways that those who have the gifts of preaching and teaching are not and will never be. Okay? But if the Spirit, you think, has given you gifts, but it's not confirmed by the people then maybe, maybe, just maybe you don't have those gifts. And if the Spirit hasn't given you the gifts, no one can develop those gifts, <laughs> right? I tell people, hey, I can't, I can't cultivate a gift that the Spirit hasn't given you. That's just the truth, truth of the matter. So look at the people. See, sometimes it's you stand up and, and, and you give a word or sometimes it's somebody going through something and you share a word of wisdom and they say, hey, that word made a big difference in my life. That, what you just shared. Or, or there's an act of kindness in a moment of need that you've performed. You weren't thinking about it. You know, it wasn't hard. You know, it was just like riding a bike. You did it, and somebody was like, oh, my gosh, I just felt God ministered to me. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. Okay, maybe there's a confirmation here of certain gifts that God has placed in me. And lastly, I say, hey, look at the opportunities. Look at the opportunities that are presented before you. And, in fact... The only difference, I'd say, between discerning the will of God and discerning the gifts that he has given you is you, sh- you should start with the opportunities. <laughs> when, it's, when it comes to discovering your gifts, start with the opportunities. Start with the opportunities. What's before you right now? Because that's how you find out. You, there, there were certain gifts in my life that I had no idea unless... I stepped into that opportunity. How would I find out about my gift of teaching if it wasn't for that opportunity that was presented to me in my senior year of high school? Because the danger, look, the danger for us here is, is, is to do two things. These are two warnings, okay? The gift cop-out, okay? What does what is, what is gift cop-out? Gift cop-out is this. Oh, oh, for sure God not, did not give me the gift of generosity. There's an opportunity to com- contribute, but I'll let those who have receive the gift of generosity to exercise their gifts, right? We, we do that. And or uh, God gives me an opportunity to share the faith with a coworker. You know, the guy comes asking questions. The person comes asking you questions about Jesus, and you're like, I don't have that gift. Maybe I'll call somebody else to talk to this person, and you forfeit that opportunity to be used by God. You see what I'm saying? And what I want you to understand is that even though there are specific gifts that are apportioned by the Spirit to you, these these gifts are things that all Christians should be doing, all of us should be doing. Oh, no, I'm not going to greet people. I'm not hospitable. You know, I'm I'm, I'm like a convergent, and you don't want me uh, standing at the door. No, when there are opportunities, you step in because that's how you discover. Start with the opportunities. Especially as the church gets larger, the only way that you will really discover is by stepping into needs and opportunities. So there's a lot of needs right now. Pastor David will give you a list of a lot of ministry opportunities that you can start with so that you begin that gift discovery process. So, Avoid gift cop-out, but also avoid gift projection. What is gift projection? It's to admire somebody and say, oh, my goodness, Pastor Mark is so loving. He's so hospitable. I want to have those gifts. But you don't have those gifts. And it ends up being a disaster when you try to exercise those gifts because it's inauthentic. Or you look at, at people with a gift of teaching and preachers, oh, I want to I have that gift. So you're projecting your desires because of somebody that you admire while you don't have those gifts. This works in another way as well. Sometimes I have certain gifts and I want everybody to have my gift. I cannot believe that these people are not more engaged in mercy and justice. I put put, uh, wrongful expectations on others. I have a passion to see people come to faith. God has given me the the gift of evangelism. I lead lead more people one-on-one than I lead people to Christ um, After. In a sermon, and I was talking to Beth this week, and she was telling me, "Say, I think you put these expectations on on others, and you know you've been wired uniquely by God, and you shouldn't expect people to be um, as effective when it comes to evangelism as you because you have received certain gifts." And and that happens to all of us. We're always looking at other people in light of the gift that we are that we have received and we're projecting on them. Okay, so avoid a uh, gift cop-out and avoid gift projection and therefore step in to the opportunities. That is the beginning process of how you discover your gift. But how do you deploy your gifts? And I want to be um, very succinct here. There's two ways in how you deploy your gift, the Spirit-given gifts to you. Number one, you do it uh, with the desire to... Be used by God. You want to be used by God. That's how you deploy your gifts first. You know, you're not saying, hey, I want more recognition. I want the applause of people. That's very common, too, when we set out to do something and we put in effort and we don't get the recognition. We are upset and disappointed. And yet... That should not be our motivation. I'm not saying that we should not applaud you. I'm not saying that we should not celebrate and recognize what God is doing through you in our community. But sometimes things fall through the cracks. And you've got to check your motivation. And it's got to be so that people experience God, so that you are used by God. Is that there, There's that desire in you. See, I, I became a pastor later on because that became the most fulfilling thing to me is to see people being impacted by Jesus, and I wanted to make myself as a vehicle for that to become a reality. But then, secondly, you deploy your gifts from a place of love, a place of love. Later in chapter 14, we read from chapter 12, later in chapter 14, the apostle Paul says that any gift that you have, even if you have received the gift of speaking the tongues of angels, even if you have such a gift of mercy that you are able to give your body to be burned for the sake of others, that's sacrificial. But if you do it without love, if love is not, not the motivation by which you do those gifts, it's worthless to God. Well, so so how do I deploy my gifts from a place of love? Well, you have to look at Jesus. Why did Jesus deploy all these gifts for our sake and our benefit? Because he loved us first. And the reason why uh, Jesus saved us is because he first loved us. And on the cross, as he was bearing the ultimate sacrifice, he did it for love. And it's, so it's to the degree that you see Jesus moving towards you in love, being god 's love to you, being the Word of God to you, being the power of God to redeem and to rescue you when you see that and when you see what it cost him, because all of this comes at a cost it's not just winning and easy, there's persecution, there's opposition. we're going to talk about that later. It requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice of time. It requires sacrifice of treasures. It requires sacrifice of, of your talents, right? There's, there's sacrifice to that, but the, to the degree that you see Jesus laying aside all things so that you would receive and reap the full benefits of the grace of God through that which he has done on the cross, your heart is recalibrated so that every time that you step out to serve, you're stepping out to serve from a place of love. Amen. Will you pray with me?